Greetings and welcome. You're listening to the Genesis Podcast, the official podcast of the Genesis Community Church in Upland, California. It is our goal to inspire one another to change the world by effectively living in the way of Jesus. Check out our website, thegenesisstory.com. There, you can learn more about us, where and when we meet, ways to invest and support, but most importantly, how to get connected. Thank you for spending time with us today. Okay, okay, people, settle down. That's enough. It's his fault again. I don't know. Well, again, good morning officially. Good to see you guys here. Again, welcome those who are joining us online. Glad you can make it. We are grateful for all of you who are here, as well as all of you who are watching and continue to participate with us in this journey and sponsor us, donate towards us. We are grateful for that. Happy New Year. This is our first Sunday together. It's been so strange. It just, it seems like it's already been 2024 for a month, but I guess it hasn't. Um, It's just been a long week. (laughs) But hopefully you're having a good New Year, and we want to start off kind of with a vision of what we desire to do or, or look towards in this new year. And we'll get more into that uh, later on. But we're going to pause, we're going to pray, and then we're going to have a time where we can slow ourselves down mentally, allow the music to maybe be a, a meditative draw for us to focus on the Lord and this time that we have together with Randy singing. And so let's start now. Lord God, we are grateful for a new year, for opportunities that are ahead of us. Father, we desire to lean into this year with intention to to do well, to do good, to not only be better, but to create better lives for ourselves and those around us. And I pray that our time together would be opportunity for you to inspire us, to breathe life into us, to give us direction and help us to have insight into areas that need to change, areas where we can grow, things that we can do that will be productive for a healthy life. And we are grateful for this time, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, One more thing I want to let you know about is Gil informed me that next week he will have the receipts for uh, those who have given throughout the year. They will be here. And then after the end of the month, we will mail those out to everyone. So just to let you know, if you have any questions about that, or if you didn't receive something, let us know and we'll take care of that for you. Okay. Today, I want to talk to you about 1950s advertising Biblical voting, you know we're going to have fun. 2024 advertising and war. I was struggling on what to talk about. You know, I, I it's a new year. What do we lean into? And I kind of reached out to Randy, to Brian, and just said, hey, guys, some ideas. And Randy shot some ideas. And one of the things he mentioned was, you know, that there's such division that we find in our country and our world. And how do we navigate through that? 
And so I, I, I think that was the thing that stood out to me the most. And so that's what I want to talk about is, is how do we find unity? You know, last week, the end of 2023, I, I talked about Jesus's words when he said that the thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. And we looked at who the thief was and the thief wasn't some spiritual entity. It wasn't the devil. The thief was the Pharisees. They were tangible people. And I think so many times we lose that focus of what is right before us and we start worrying about what isn't yet. And so I want to look at how unity really is the thing that's before us, not something that we are waiting for, but something that we are making. And we're gonna look at Romans chapter 12 and we're starting at verse nine. And it says, love, let love be without hypocrisy. Need to stop right there. Just let love be without pretending without acting, without putting up a facade. Let love be genuine. Think of someone that you love and can love fully, someone who you don't have to pretend to be around, someone who you don't have to put on a show and how there's a freedom that's there. Let love, this love that we are to have, be without that kind of pretense. Let it be without hypocrisy. Without hypocrisy. Detest evil, cling to what is good. And again, I think what is evil is not some spiritual entity as much as it is even as Jesus talked about the Pharisees and their asserting authority over. Evil shows up through people, just like good shows up through people. And so we're to detest evil and cling to what is good. Detesting means we are to be abhorred by it. We're, we're to, it's gonna make us cringe. Right, I know some of you like to listen to those murder mystery broadcasts, you know, where you're, I won't mention any names, um, where you, you like those stories of terrible things that happen to people, right? And you hear those things and you go, oh man, that's awful. Well, that's how we're supposed to feel about this kind of oppression. Something that is put on others that is holding them from being able to live life fully. And we're to cling to things that are good and good would be the things that produce life within us. Verse 10, he says, "Let love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Take the lead in honoring one another. Do not lack diligence and zeal but fervent in the spirit, serve the Lord. And this is how we serve the Lord, by loving one another deeply, like family, by taking the lead in honoring one another. I'm gonna honor you. No, 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 I'm gonna get there first. I'm gonna get ahead of you in honoring do you, do you see a mentality that's being expressed here? Do you, do you feel how foreign it is to the world that we live in, right? When was the last time you, you saw someone talking about, you know what, I wanna take the lead in honoring people. 
We live in a, a time when it's so much about what we can get. And here, this is all about how we can give the things that are good. Verse 12, it says, rejoice in hope. And, and I love the dynamics in these contrasts. Rejoice is something that you do when you find out good news. But hope is something that you don't yet have. So rejoice is something you don't yet have. It's like, rejoice in that baby, but the baby's not here. Well, I'm waiting for the baby. I know, rejoice now, even before it's here. Start showing up where you're at, even when there's lack. Be patient in affliction. When there's affliction, I don't want to rest in it. I want to get past it. And here he's saying, be patient in it. James tells us that when we go through various trials, that it's doing something within us. It's producing perseverance. Being patient in affliction isn't without purpose in your life. There's something that's being produced when you're going through the difficulty. And I know some of you have gone and are going through a lot of affliction. Be present in prayer. That means be continuous. Share with the saints in their needs. Pursue hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. There's a good one. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Doesn't say who's weeping or who's rejoicing. It's when someone is rejoicing, rejoice with them. When someone is weeping, weep with them. Does it matter if they're close to you? Does it matter what country they're from? Can we weep with those who are in Ukraine as well as those who are in Russia, as well as those who are in Palestine, as well as those who are in Israel, as well as those who are in our neighborhood, as well as our friends, as well as those who have persecuted us? Can we rejoice and can we weep? Can we identify with them? There's something magical about a child's laugh, right? If I hear a child laughing, I just want to smile. It's contagious, right? Because there's no pretense to it. They're just whatever's going on, they like it. It could be hitting the wall and they're laughing. And I just think it's the greatest thing. I want to hit the wall too. Let's go for it, right? I'm rejoicing with that. I, I'm, I'm vibing off of that, right? I'm getting something from that and I'm participating in that experience that's coming from that little child. We're supposed to do that with one another. Identify to the place where you're going through something and enjoying it. I can be there with you. You're going through something and hurting. I'll be there with you. Verse 16, live in harmony with one another. What if they don't agree with me? Live in harmony with those who agree with you. Let's change that, right? Let Everyone get out your pen. Let's rewrite this, right? No, live in harmony with one another. We've already seen that we're supposed to bless those who persecute us. So live in harmony with one another is very inclusive of a lot of people. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. 
I take this to mean, imagine you're wrong. When you're having a conversation with someone who disagrees with you, imagine you're wrong. And take that posture of how you can receive something from someone who is right, even though you think they're wrong. I remember there was a kid named Howard in seventh grade. Howard was a big kid. And I was smaller than I am now. And Howard was bigger than I am now. He, he is, and this was in seventh grade. And Howard was a bully. He pushed everybody around. Nobody liked Howard. And Howard pushed me one day, knocked me down. I mean, you know, I'm sitting there talking with my friends, trying to be cool like you are in seventh grade, you know, just a squirrely little kid. And Howard comes up, hey, Scotty, boom, pushes me, knocks me down, embarrasses me. I'm there, you know, trying to be cool in front of, you know, the girls or whatever I was doing. And I remember standing up and just saying, you know, Howard, this is why nobody likes you and wants to be your friend. It's because you're a bully to everyone. And Howard was struck. And he said, I'm sorry. And then Howard wanted to be my friend. And I didn't know what to do with that. I, I didn't know what to do with Howard as a friend, right? I'm used to Howard the bully. And now having Howard wanting to be, and pretty soon Howard's hanging around me. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'm friends with Howard now, Right? And it's this mentality of, you know, instead of this person being someone that's enemy, I I said something inadvertently that was helpful to Howard. Howard didn't have any friends, and he thought maybe this is how you make friends. You knock them down. Who knows how Howard grew up? I mean, I don't know. A lot of us have grown up in different households. This is how I make friends in my household. This is how my dad treats me. Going to someone and giving them what they need even when you disagree with them, living in harmony, not being proud, not thinking I'm in the right, you're in the wrong. Instead, thinking this is what can help you to be better. I want to give you that. I don't want to be wise in my own estimation. I don't want to think I'm more than I am, especially if I am, right? Wasn't it Jesus who said, You call me Lord, and that's true, but if I'm your Lord and I wash your feet, what should you do? If I'm taking the role of a servant, what should you do? Do not repay anyone, verse 17, evil for evil. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes everyone's eyes if possible as far as it depends on you live at peace with everyone let me read that again if possible as far as it depends on you live at peace with everyone i feel like we've lost the value of getting our hands dirty with our faith We want to spiritualize everything. The idea of a spiritual person or a Christian is someone who who reads their Bibles, prays, and goes to church. And great, those, those things are great. But here in this description, a follower of Jesus is someone who loves deeply. 
who leads in honoring others, someone who doesn't repay evil for evil, someone who does all that they can to bring peace in the dynamics of the relationship. You know, in the 1950s, in the advertising world, they came up with a slogan that tried to to really sell the product and make it, you need this product. They came up with a catchphrase where the rubber meets the road. It first shows up in writing in 1956. This is where it really happens, where the tire hits the pavement. That's what really matters. This is what really counts. And I believe this is what really counts. This is where the rubber meets the road as far as faith is concerned. It's not about having correct theology. It's not about how much you get from God. It's about how you live with one another. Isn't that how all people will know we are his disciples by how we love one another? And so we can be a Christian working in government And we care about the people in our constituents, right? I care about my community because this is where I I am governing and not care about the people in other places. I don't care about their policies. I care about my policies, but I call myself a Christian. And here I'm told I'm supposed to be at peace with everyone. Here I'm supposed to love and show compassion to everyone. Here I'm supposed to be mindful of more than just what's mine. But we have this segregation that is being pressed upon us so much. And to justify our position, we've made the scripture very black and white. We, We can be so simplistic in how we're focused. The Bible is not and has never been univocal, right? And that means having only one meaning or interpretation or leading to only one conclusion. The Bible has never been univocal. And I know some people say, heresy, how could you say that? This is the word of God. And and we've been going over this for years. So you're not surprised hearing this from me. But there are some examples where I think this is important that we understand why it's important that it's not. Okay, let's take the Ninevites, for example. In the book of Nahum, Chapter 3, verse 7. Then all who see you will recoil from you, saying, Nineveh is devastated. Who will show sympathy to her? Where can I find anyone to comfort her? Comfort you. Nahum chapter 3 just goes on where God is blasting the Ninevites, saying they're just going to be laid low, that condemnation is on them. But then in Jonah chapter 4, At the end, so may I not care, this is the Lord speaking to Jonah, may I not care about the great city of Nineveh, which has more than 120,000 people who cannot distinguish between their right and their left, as well as many animals? All of a sudden, God is caring about the Ninevites. What is it? Did he not care about them? Did he want them destroyed? Or does he care about them and their animals? And to understand that, we have to kind of get into the shoes of the writers in the times that they're going through these things. And Nahum, they were being persecuted by the Assyrians. And so Nineveh, the major city, was a source of contention to them. And Jonah, it's after the captivity, and 
The Assyrians are taken captive by the Babylonians just like they were, and now there's an identification to them. And so there's a change in their perception of these people because things have changed. And so the voice changes. The context changes. Life is not that simple. The bad guys aren't always bad, and the good guys aren't always good. It would be nice if it was that way. You know, the cowboy and, you know, Westerns where it was like the bad guys wore the black hats, the good guys wore the white hats, and you knew who was right and who was wrong, and then you start understanding things aren't that simple. And I think that that's something that's true that we have to lean into. Another passage that's going to be heard a lot coming this election year in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. I will bless those who bless you. This is the Lord speaking to Abraham. And I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt. Every election year, this scripture is used to tell you how to vote. Pastors will stand up and say, well, the Bible says that the Lord will bless those who bless Israel and will curse those who do them harm. So this candidate is supporting Israel, so we need to support this candidate. But then in Jeremiah chapter 27, verse six, it says, now I have given all these lands into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant. And I have given him also the beasts of the field to serve him. I like how God always includes the animals. God is saying, I have given the king Nebuchadnezzar, my servant, you. He has taken over. This is Babylonian captivating Israel, taking them over, and God is now giving him this esteem. What happened? Well, there's a lot that happened, but the point here is it's not always black and white. God doesn't support a nation just because it's a nation. God supports good because good is good. And so this idea of biblical voting, like biblical parenting, like biblical womanhood, just isn't true. If biblical parenting was true, then you would stone your children for being disobedient, because according to Deuteronomy, you're supposed to. (laughs) Don't laugh. I've thought about it. (laughs) If biblical womanhood was true, wife would have to move out of her home for a week when she's on her menstrual period. We went through the year of biblical womanhood with Rachel Held Evans. It's an amazing book, such insight, right? These, these things are there. It's, it's something that we try to use to give us this simplistic idea of what's right, what's wrong. You're either with us or you're against us. And we don't realize that this simple dividing is dividing people. It's dividing and and stopping the conversation. There's more important things that should define us as followers of Jesus than a few scriptures that are used to divide us. But to get to those things, there has to be conversation. There has to be respect. There has to be, I'm gonna lead in honoring you, even though I think you're wrong. I'm gonna see you as more important than myself, and now let's have a conversation with me respecting you even though I disagree with you. 
Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If possible, how hard are we trying? You know, when it says love each other deeply as brothers and sisters, when one of my kids was living on the street, every day I was trying to get them off. Every day I was thinking about them of how I could bring them to a better place. Every day we were laboring with these things. If possible, how, what can I do to get you from here to here? If possible, I will learn things that I don't know about insurance companies. I will find out what I know about rehab centers. I will search for what is available in your area so that I can get you off the streets and into a better place. If it's possible, I'm gonna make it happen. If possible, live at peace with one another. Well, what if they just want a key? Okay, then it's not possible, but let's not go there first thing, right? We always go to this extreme. Well, they don't wanna help, so I can't. If it's possible, are you trying? Do you really care? Is it something that is meaningful to you enough to care deeply as if it was family. We are heading into, again, an election year and it's already been crazy. It's been nuts and it's going to get worse and who knows what's gonna happen and who knows how divisive it's going to be. You know, and, and if we are listening to legacy media, you are getting fuel for the fire, right? If you're listening to Fox News, you're hearing one side that is gonna be blasting the other. And if you're listening to MSNBC, you're getting fuel that's gonna be blasting the other. And what I find interesting is both these networks get their money from the same sources, right? I mean, I think it was, in some cases, 80% of the advertising is coming from pharmaceutical companies. Another large percent is coming from the military. You know, and so you see someone who's, you know, a former general who's going to be talking to us about the war in Ukraine, and they don't discuss that he's actually employed by Lockheed Martin, the people who are selling arms to supply the war. And he's giving you advice on what's happening. Yeah, this Putin, he's a bad guy. And love, you know, and I'm not saying Putin's a good guy, right? It's just he is getting money from this war. It's like having you know, an executive at McDonald's on the news talking about, here's how to eat healthy. You know, Egg McMuffin in the morning is really good. Here's all the nutrients. You know, it doesn't make sense. And it's happening on both sides. And they're feeding us this food to force us to have conflict. And here we are being told as much as possible, if possible, pursue peace. I just read that many of the horrific things that we heard about October 7th when Hamas attacked Israel, beheading of children, all the raping and things like that, that they're not able to validate those things. I'm not saying horrific things didn't happen. I'm not pro-Hamas. I'm not pro-Israel. I'm pro-innocence. 
But why would you manufacture horrific things? They say that the first casualty of war is the truth. Because if I can incite people to be on my side, I can continue asserting the authority and destruction that I want to get the power that I need, which is exactly what the Pharisees were doing, which is exactly what Rome was doing, which is exactly what Jesus is talking about when the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life in abundance. I've come to bring peace into places where there shouldn't be any because of how you care about each other. You see, one of the things I love about our community is the diversity, not just in ethnicity, not just in social classes, but in belief systems. We got some people who are pretty extreme right, and we got some people who are pretty extreme left here. But we consider ourselves family. And that means more than just our political views. Not just political views, all kinds of views. Thoughts on scripture. You're supposed to have varying views. This isn't a book that's, again, univocal. You think this means something else? Let me hear about it. See, I might be wrong, and I'm going to take that attitude. I'm not going to have an attitude of pride, but I'm going to see your position as what if it's right? And then let's talk about it. And if it holds water, well, maybe i got to consider some things. And if it doesn't, maybe you'll see some things. But at least we're conversing. See, the conflict is good because it's leading to conversation. It's leading to something that's deep. Relationships that never fight and argue don't have depth. Every relationship I know that has gone through hardship and has gone through it and come out has gotten better. It's not fun, but it's gotten better. So how do we navigate these waters? Romans chapter 12, continuing verse 19 Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath because it is written, vengeance belongs to me. I will replace as the Lord. I love this because it's not like God's gonna get you. It's like, let God deal with things because he has more information. Whatever that looks like. I don't, you know, when I say God has more, he has more, I'm, I'm bringing God into a human understanding that is already dishonoring who God is. Because that's all I can do is imagine. And then God is beyond what I can imagine. So leaving this kind of thing to God is saying, it's out of my hands. I don't have enough understanding to actually address this. But I trust that God does. Verse 20, but if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For in so doing, you will be heaping fiery coals on his head. What I think this to mean is that you will be making him think. Verse 21, do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. See, we are at war. And we are at war with evil. But the way we conquer evil is with good. And the evil that is so often mentioned in scripture is not this spiritual, ooh, coming to get you evil. 
It has to do with people asserting power over those who have no power so that they can obtain more. It's using people as if they're property, as if they are things, instead of elevating people to hold the image of God. And that's everybody, anyone. You don't get to decide who bears the image of God. That's God's job. What we have to do is show kindness, feed your enemy, give them something to drink, show kindness, right? It is in the possibility of living at peace that we have the ability to change the conversation around us. You see, I think there's something that's happening and I get glimmers of it and it fills me with hope when I, I talk to other people who, who start to see things differently, who, who start to see what church could be, who, who start to see what faith in, in God could look like that is more inclusive than exclusive. When people are tired of hearing the same old rhetoric that no longer makes sense because their world has gotten too big for the God that they've been sold. And all of a sudden their hearts are like saying, I I can't do this anymore. I can't believe this anymore because it doesn't fit with the character of Christ. It doesn't fit with my understanding of how things work. I, I, I can't believe a place so small in a world so big. And I think that's happening more than just the the series of faith or the sections of faith. I think it's happening in the political realm too. I think people are getting tired of being sold information that isn't true. I think people are awakening to facts that, you know what, we are being lied to and we are being used. No one is asking us how to spend the money we give. They're just taking it because they are owning the politicians. And you're seeing independent news on the rise and the legacy media declining. I'm like, yes, if possible, things will change. If possible, I will be part of that change. If possible, I am going to bring peace to the people who I'm in conflict with. If possible, as much as lies within me, I'm gonna live at peace with everybody because God cares about everybody. And sometimes Nineveh will look like an enemy. And sometimes I need to show compassion. And sometimes Israel will look like God's chosen. And sometimes they need to go into captivity. I'm not going to restrict myself based on a few scriptures without taking into consideration that there is so much more being said. And I need humility to see it, and it's wisdom to allow the other voices to be heard and engaged. I think that's how we conquer evil, with good. Let's pray. Lord, there's times where I feel like I can do nothing.
to change the world around me. And at the same time, I feel like I cannot sit still and do nothing. And so help us to wrestle with the things that cause frustration. Help us to engage with humility, the conversation, those around us, to let them know that we think they're important more than we think they're wrong. Help us to love deeply. Help us to lead in honoring. Help us to conquer evil with good. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. This year, may we learn to love deeply. May we lead in honoring others, and may we conquer evil with good. God bless you guys. Have a great day. You've been listening to the official podcast of Genesis Community Church in Upland, California. If you've been encouraged, found hope, been challenged by what you've heard, we'd like to ask you to help spread the word by sharing our podcast with your friends and family. You can also help support our podcast by visiting us at thegenesisstory.com. It has been our pleasure to have you join us today, and we hope you'll tune in again next week.